My name is J.W. Oker. I'm an author, and I like to go out and look for weird stuff. I call it oddity. For more than a decade, I've sought out oddities of nature, oddities of art, oddities of culture and history. I believe that within a tank or two of gas, of any point in this country, is some seriously cool oddity, and that we all should go check it out. This is Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. All right, I am in a hotel room in Bismarck, North Dakota. My first time in North Dakota. I've never been to the state before. It's one of, I think, maybe five of the lower 48 that I haven't been to yet in my rambles. Um, And that was originally the point of this trip, was to knock out North Dakota off my list. The other four states I have to hit are like in a nice little continuous line down in the south, southwest, I should say. And... You know, I could hit them all on one road trip. But North Dakota was this island (laughs) up at the top of the country that I would probably never get to by accident. So I decided to just make it a specific trip, hit it for a weekend, come back, knock it off my list. But then I started a project, a new book project, a new nonfiction book project about cryptids. So now I realized that I could do this trip and write it off. (laughs) Not really. I could take advantage of this trip and also see a few cryptid sites. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to jump in my car. I'm going to see two sites, at least related to cryptids. Uh, We'll see if I see anything else. But the first site is right here in Bismarck, in the hotel I'm at. Well, it's not in the hotel I'm at, but really close to the hotel I'm at. And it is a statue of Thunderbirds, which I'll talk to you about in here in a second. And after that, I'm going to jump in the car and drive five hours southwest to Keystone, South Dakota, which I wasn't planning on hitting. I've been to South Dakota before. I wasn't planning on hitting it on this trip. But now this new book project is compelling me to, and I'm going to go see, I'm not even going to bury this lead, I'm going to go see the world's biggest Bigfoot statue. Now, you might be thinking, if this is a book about cryptids, why am I visiting statues? Why am I just not going out into the forests to find Bigfoot and scanning the skies for Thunderbirds and doing that kind of stuff that you usually do for cryptid books? And that's because this is a different cryptid book. It's um, not really about proving or disproving cryptids. It's not what it's about. What this book is doing is looking at the places, the towns, the people that are celebrating their cryptids. That's what I'm into. (laughs) I'm into the parties, basically. Who's having a lot of fun with their mythical beasts and monsters? And that's why I'm going to see statues instead of trying to find the real thing. All right, I am in the car. I just left the hotel. I'm seeing (laughs) North Dakota in the daylight for the first time. It's early, a little bit before seven, and it is going to rain. Like the sky is absolutely gray and cloudy. So this might be a different kind of trip trip than I thought it would be. But anyway, as I go to my first uh, stop, the Thunderbird statue, let's talk Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds are a Native American myth shared across lots of tribes uh, in this area and in others. And they're basically giant birds, giant birds whose wings make thunder and whose eyes make lightning and who fight other big monsters. It's a very kind of Godzilla mythos. I think some of the some of the tribes have the Thunderbirds fighting giant snakes. And obviously, you know, the it's they rule the domain of the sky is the idea where other creatures rule the domain of the underworld. Something like that. I'm, de- I'm definitely like flattening and genericizing their stories. So don't <laughs> don't t- take too much stock in that. 
But, you know, this isn't a book about Native American lore, but the thing about cryptozoology is that it has a habit of trying to connect its monsters to, well, Native American lore. It feels like when a cryptid story can do that, it gives it like the sheen of legitimacy. Like it's been around longer. Other people have seen it. It was here before the white man ever got here, that kind of thing. Although it's probably a bit more like appropriation than it is really legitimizing a monster. Um, that said, there are giant bird stories in the modern lore. Just giant birds sighted. I've seen their sizes everywhere from four feet long to 16 feet long to the size of jets, like massive Rodan-like creatures in the sky, which is a little harder to believe than giant creatures in the jungle or the forests or the ocean. But again, it's not about belief. We're not about belief here. We're about who is partying with their cryptids. But there's stories of these creatures, not just, you know, people seeing birds in the sky, but actually attacking livestock and pets and even small children. There's a story out of, out of Illinois of a mother who saw two giant birds trying to eat her 10-year-old child. 10-year-old child, 56-pound 10-year-old child and giant birds attacking it. So it's it's got some stories. As always, that's, that's what I'm after is stories. And... The Thunderbird has them. Old stories, new stories, and now I just want to see statues of them. So I'm headed to Keelboat Park, it's called, right on the Missouri River, and hopefully I'll be able to find it. That's kind of my, my mantra for Otis, is hopefully I'll be able to find it. Okay, I should be coming up on the park here any second, and I'm excited for my first glimpse of this statue. This is the part of oddity hunting that's always the best. Because any second I should be seeing it. I think there's a strip of parks along the Missouri River here. Uh, I just passed Pioneer Park. I can see the Missouri. I can see it through the denuded trees. It's still semi-winter here, I guess, here in the uh, middle of May. Definitely cold. Like I said, definitely stormy any second in these big skies. Oh, I can see it. Holy cow. I'm probably half a mile away from it and I can see it in the car. The thing is pretty massive. Alright, let me park and get a good look at this guy. Oh, it's awesome. The thing is gorgeous. Keelboat Park. Row right on the Missouri. Like, literally, my parking spot is about to drop into that river. Basically, the park is just a parking lot and there's like a, a looks like a walking path, a paved walking path, and sculptures along the way, one of which looks like a replica of Lewis and Clark's boat, which is kind of cool, but I'm here for this monster in front of me. Oh man, I love this thing. Alright, let me try to describe it for you. First, again, the setting is right on the Missouri River, which is cold and gray and reflecting a cold gray sky. There's a big set of hills behind it, completely brown, scrub brush, trees with no leaves, a uh, little bit desolate, but not like out in the middle of nowhere. This is like a, a nice little park. And I am standing in front of a statue called, according to the placard, Thunderbirds. It is, how, it's probably 18 to 20 feet tall. It's massive, it's circular. And there are four giant Thunderbird heads that look like big hooked beaked eagles pointing in four directions. And in between those four heads are clouds, and their claws, which raise up like tree trunks. Basically, it's four giant birds above a lightning storm. It is fantastic. It's, um, 
a blue gray looks like it's not totally monocolor but it looks like basically it is grays and some like grayish blues some blacks there's thun there's lightning bolts in their eyes they have very angry looking brows like i said they're hooked <laughs> beaks are pretty terrifying let me see what the placard says um so these are made by a bunch of student artists looks like about half a dozen of them seven of them from the united tribes technical school which is a school for uh the tribes of north dakota and there's about <laughs> i don't know there's like a whole essay on this placard it's pretty big I don't, i'm not gonna read the whole thing to you basically it says that the stories about giant birds often associated with thunderstorms appear in many parts of the world throughout history that's kind of the first line of every story about monsters as early as the third millennium bc the ancient sumerians revered the giant lion-headed eagle imdagud whose roaring created thunder the ancient hindus venerated garuda a giant eagle-like bird who served as the mount of vishnu four stories and tales from the arabian nights related encounters with the rock or rook a giant bird said to be capable of carrying off an elephant. Uh, Sinbad the Sailor, Italian explorer Marco Polo mentions a rock. Okay, so like everywhere, this is starting to sound like um, a Ghostbusters episode. Tobin's Spirit Guide says Thunderbirds are all over the place. Now to Native Americans, according to this placard, the Thunderbird was actually a friend to humans, a benevolent spirit seen as the source of wisdom. And then it goes on to list a bunch of tribes that talk about how much the Thunderbird was a help to personkind. Um, then, of course, we take it and turn it into a monster <laughs> in the modern world. A terrifying monster that snaps up children from their backyards. Of course we do. Oh, but check this out. Check this out. So I'm not just being crass, <laughs> linking the myth to the monster, because it says even on the placards, and it turns out there's like half a dozen placards, so it's basically a book I have to read about this statue. Um, but it actually mentions that Illinois uh, child-stealing incident on the placard after talking about all the different tribes and all the all of their beliefs about this benevolent bird that fights snakes and killer whales. Um, it says, It is not just Native Americans who have seen giant birds in the skies of North America. Many reports emanated from Missouri, Illinois, Florida, and Pennsylvania. Along with the many sightings of this magnificent bird, a giant black or dark-colored bird in Lawndale, Illinois, carried off a 10-year-old boy on July 25, 1977. The bird carried Marion Lowe 30 to 40 yards before releasing him. In 1898, a farmer in Crawford County, Pennsylvania, captured and caged a giant bird of enormous size. So I've heard various versions of the Lawndale, Illinois incidents, uh, and I haven't dug deep enough into it yet to, to see what the true story is, because um, I'm still in the visit cool things mode of this book. But it's kind of interesting that they put this on here. Also interesting is in that list of states that they listed that the, of people who have seen uh, a um, Thunderbird in, in modern times, Missouri, Illinois, Florida, and Pennsylvania. North Dakota, they did not put them, they did not put their own state on this list. Um, I'm going to go check out the other placards, see if there's anything else worth relating. I mean, it's all worth relating. We'll see, anything, see if there's anything else I want to talk about. If not, I'm going to take a bunch of pictures of this amazing sculpture that looks the same no matter what angle. I'll probably get the Missouri in the background. It's probably the coolest one. And then I'm going to jump in my car to see the uh, statue that I thought was going to be the impressive one, the giant Bigfoot one. But this one, I'd call this a big statue, just not you know, the world's largest Bigfoot. But that's five hours away. I have to jump in my car and drive five hours away to that one. So that'll be my big Dakota's trek. I'll probably talk to you a lot because I'll get bored. I am on open highway. Got a giant sky above me that's still full of clouds and rain. And I am on my way to South Dakota, to Keystone, South Dakota. So I want to talk Bigfoot. Before I do, I, I'm gonna I want to tell you what this trip should be, what I should have done for this trip. Uh, instead of driving 
five hours southwest. I should be driving four hours northwest to see more Thunderbird items because in this northwest corner of North Dakota, right there at the border of Montana and Canada is Riding Rocks Park. And Riding Rocks Park has two boulders in it that have pictographs, or whatever they're called, of Thunderbirds, ancient drawings of Thunderbirds on these two rocks. So it'd be a really cool episode, at least thematic-wise, to go see that modern uh, Thunderbird sculpture in Bismarck, and then drive four hours northwest to see an ancient uh, artwork uh, about Thunderbirds. That'd make it nice and clean, <laughs> nice, nice flow through on the story, easy to title this episode. But no, I need to go see a giant, cheesy chainsaw Bigfoot. And the reason for that, I can't fit all three in there. I tried to. I honestly tried to make this <laughs> the main three stops this trip. That would have been a 16-hour trip. Um, and I'm only here for a day. And I just, I just couldn't do it. Although I am regretting it. This is a great drive so far. And I just passed a couple of pheasants on the side of the road. You don't see that in New England. Or I don't, anyway. More pheasants, geez. Lots of pheasants. All right, back to Bigfoot. So, <sighs> Bigfoot is a thorn in my side for this project. He's the king of the hill when it comes to cryptids, right? He, everybody knows him, he's character in, in, our, in, our, in our whole entire collective conscious. And everybody celebrates him. There are museums everywhere. He's been cited in all 50 states, by the way. So everywhere claims him. There are museums, statues. It, it, this, this, this entire project, this entire book, could easily be taken over by Bigfoot. And I don't want it to be. <laughs> so I was trying to avoid him in any state I could. Uh, avoid Bigfoot. But the problem is, in South Dakota, they made a gigantic one. A gigantic one. Uh, at least it's what I've heard, what I've seen on the pictures. I'm going to go see it firsthand here, hopefully. And so I just couldn't turn down a giant Bigfoot statue because it doesn't represent an actual sighting, I don't think, in South Dakota. Hopefully I'll find out more when I get there, but there's no famous South Dakota Bigfoot sighting. I mean, there are definitely sightings, probably a dozen or so, you know, on the record at least, because every single state has Bigfoot sightings. Even Hawaii and Delaware have Bigfoot sightings. So it's not really a unique thing anymore to say, woo, come see our Bigfoot. Unless you go this far, unless you go and build a gigantic Bigfoot. And it's supposed to be the biggest, it's 22.8 feet tall, but it's sitting down. So it's a much, much more massive statue than that height will tell you. And there are other taller statues. I know there's one that's like 30 feet tall, it's in either Kansas or Oklahoma. It's the sign of a place called Gas Squatch. It's a gas station slash tourist shop. Uh, it's 30 feet tall, but it's flat, it's two-dimensional. This is a full-on three-dimensional chainsaw wooden Bigfoot that's sitting on his butt. So if you measured it from toe to head, it'd be 50, 60 feet tall, you know? Getting close to King Kong proportions, depending on which King Kong we're talking about. That's what I got for you. I got a few more hours till I see it, and we will find out if this is indeed worth driving five hours southwest for and skipping ancient American carvings of the Thunderbird. All right, those last few seconds for you were five and a half hours for me, but not just five and a half hours. This is, this was five and a half hours of lonely back roads through snow, through rain, through crowds of pheasants, through, you know, desolate stretches with no gas stations, terrifying moments in the trip when I thought maybe I was going to 
run out of gas in the middle of nowhere with nothing but empty ranches for miles and miles and buttes and hills and cows. But I did it. Five and a half hours later, here I am in Keystone, South Dakota, which is the exact opposite of what I just described and what I just experienced. This is really close to Mount Rushmore, so it's a tourist place. So we're talking, you know, zip lines and giant candy shops and reptile zoos and dinosaur museums and all the things that you see plastered across billboards in tourist areas. So I knew coming down here that the giant Bigfoot that I was going to see, this giant Sasquatch, was a part of that world. It's part of that bring the tourists in initiatives of a place like this. But I still think despite that, it's going to be worth seeing. Uh, I really hope so at least. <laughs> but I'm going to find out any second now. I am six miles away from where I'm pretty sure it is. So let's find out together. Okay, I am here looking directly at this gigantic Sasquatch. <laughs> it's uh, So what it is, I'm at a, um, a chainsaw art place, a place that sells chainsaw art. It's called uh, Doll Cha Doll's Chainsaw Art. Doll's, I think it's two brothers uh, that run this place. And there's chainsaw art everywhere. There's the eagles, the bears, all the chainsaw art favorites. And in the middle of it is this giant sitting Sasquatch holding a flagpole. It's um, honestly... Not as big as I thought it'd be, <laughs> so, which is a hard thing to admit after driving five hours to see it and skipping the Thunderbird rocks. But it is huge. It's big. Like I said, 22.8 from butt to head. Um, I think the amazing thing about it, though, is really its scope, its scale. It's wide. It's thick. It's furry. They, it's a chainsaw sculpture technically, but it, it's not like the typical like deep grooves and you know rustic look that most chainsaw sculpture has, polished and all that kinds of stuff. What they've done is they've taken bark and firewood, basically. I don't know what the technical term for it is, but it looks like firewood, and layered it like shingles all over its body, so it looks furry. And then furry in different ways, so they've inverted the, the wood uh, around its beard to make its beard look fluffier than the fur of its body. So it's really an impressive statue. It's really quite awesome. Again, I was thinking of it in terms of being the size of a house. It's probably about the size, it's tall, it's, it's, it's as tall as a house, for sure. I actually get closer to it. I'm talking to you from my car because there's a few people outside and I don't want to look like a weirdo recording a podcast to them. I'd rather just sit in my car and look like I'm just talking to somebody on the phone. So I'm going to go out, walk around, maybe end it here. I don't know. No, no, no. I'm going to go get some up close impressions, some photos, and then give you more of a lowdown. So stay tight. Stay tuned. Hang tight. Okay, I'm going to take some of that back. I am standing directly underneath it, and it is massively impressive. I think what just threw me off was I was the width of a parking lot away, and it's surrounded by chainsaw art. So it's kind of uh, not, it's, it's stuff to distract from it, put it that way. If this thing was sitting on a mountain by itself, or in the middle of a park in a city, man, that thing would be really shown off in all of its glory. But it is pretty amazing, pretty awesome. And again, it's, it's the height of it, but it's just this, the size. It's big, it's wide, it just feels like a massive monster. Well, you'd hope a giant Bigfoot would be. Looks like the Harry and Henderson one. <laughs> Basically, that, that's obviously the model for this guy. He's uh, sitting in such a way that his foot sticks out, and it's taller than I am. I'm about six feet. It's got to be seven, seven and a half feet tall, just its foot. I mean, I just want to see this thing stand up and walk around. That's what I want. Whew. All right, I'm back in my car. Bigfoot is in my rear view, literally. You can see him taking up the entire thing. 
about to drive the five and a half hours back to Bismarck. I'm going to stop at a few oddities on the way. Nothing for this episode, unfortunately. But um, I'm going to sign off. I'm going to say, though, if you're in this area and you, and you have to choose between seeing the world's biggest Bigfoot and Mount Rushmore, I might say go to the Bigfoot. I might say it. In fact, I'm going to prove it now because I'm not even going to go to Rushmore. It's like just a couple miles away. Uh, I'm just going to go straight back and see something weirder on the way back. But again, I have seen Rushmore already, so I'm a little bit biased. I don't know if Voice of God me is going to break in now, probably. But if he doesn't, I'll sign off for him. Yes, yes, I do want to break in and tell you guys a few things. I wanted to say that I'll be putting photos of both the giant Bigfoot statue of South Dakota and the Thunderbird statue of North Dakota on my site, Otis. So you can go there and see those photos. I'll link to it in the show notes. Also, just by way of a little uh, behind the scenes, on the drive back, I found myself in the middle of a snowstorm. It was in May in the Dakotas, driving through snow in this tiny little pink Chevy Spark rental <laughs> that I just wasn't expecting. In fact, it took me a long time to realize I was in a snowstorm, like a plow had to pass me and then I had to pull over. It was just not what I expected. But worth it, you know. I had seen a giant Bigfoot statue and a giant Thunderbird statue. Also, I want to say that I am three months away, just three months away from my next book debuting. It is a a horror novel for kids called The Smash Man of Dread End. I wrote it in a way that I thought might also freak out adults. I kind of feel like if you write a children's horror novel that can't freak out adults, you failed a little bit at writing a children's horror novel. So I really put that to the test with The Smash Man of Dread End. It's already out for pre-order. You can pre-order it anywhere that you get your books. If you are somebody who uses NetGalley, you can request it off NetGalley and try to get it earlier than everybody else. I will even do a couple of giveaways here pretty soon so that other people can read it before it actually streets. But again, buying my books helps support the podcast <laughs> indirectly. So I just want to bring that up. Another way to support the podcast is the Otis Patreon, patreon.com slash jwoker. I always present the, the Patreon as a club and it is. I love people to join it as a club. You get a membership card and everything in a newsletter. But it is also just a straight up way to support the podcast and the website and the stuff I do. If, if you join the Patreon and don't read a single newsletter or don't even open your envelope when the membership card comes in the mail, that's fine. If you just want to support the stuff I do, buy me a tank of gas every once in a while. This is how you do it. The Patreon is also the place where I do the most up-to-date writing. And the final thing I want to bring up is... I guess I don't have one. That was it. I'm going to show you the photos of Bigfoot and the Thunderbirds. I want you to join the Patreon. I want you to pre-order my next book, The Smash Man of Dread End. And now I'll just be switching you back to past JWO so we can finish this off here on this episode. Oh, I almost did it. I almost finished it. No, he's going to finish it. Here we go. I'm JW Oker, and this has been an episode of Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. From the Dakotas, 